Monica, Monica, thank you for the introduction. It is really good to be with the new faces, service number two. It's really good to be here this morning. Uh, as Monica said, my name is Lamont, and uh, I have the awesome privilege of being a part of uh, this family of churches, uh, Mariner's Church. And so it's good to be in Huntington Beach this morning. We're in this awesome series uh, called Epic, right? Epic. It really conjures up uh, story. It conjures up these great adventures of, of heroes. And uh, we're looking, in, uh, looking to the Bible uh, to look for biblical heroes. And we're looking for uh, heroes. And we're also taking a look at villains. And so uh, over the next several weeks, we're going to be in this uh, amazing um, series. And, and, and we're hoping that basically uh, within, within this series, we're hoping that, that, that the heroes, something about the, the heroes that we find in the Bible, we're hoping that we learn a little bit about their stories. But at the same time, in, in, the, in that process, we hope we learn something about our own story. And that's what we're, we're getting in, in, involved in in this series. And so I like to joke around. I like to have fun. Uh, to know me is to know that, hey, you know, we're serious. There's a time to play hard. There's a time to work hard. And so I need you guys to play with me really quick, all right? So we're in this, we're talking about heroes. Um, what were your favorite heroes growing up? Somebody. Superman. Who else? Captain America. Who else? Wonder Woman. We've got to get one in for the ladies. You know what I mean? Come on now. What about, what about non-comic book? What about modern day heroes? Real people. No stories. Heroes. Chuck who? All right. Chuck Yader. Who, who else? Your dad, Ronald Reagan. Who else? Ronald Reagan, all right, you know what I mean? Give it up for Ronald, you know what I mean? Neil Armstrong. We, there we are, Brett Favre, all right, I love that. I'm from Nashville, Tennessee, so I love a good country boy every now and again. No, everybody's like, no, no, no. You know, so you guys, you guys did a better job. I mean, how can I top Ronald Reagan? So you went way up there. I got to help you come way down here with me. Let me introduce you to my, one of my heroes. Her name is Sweet Brown. I want to introduce you to her real quick. One resident describes her horrifying experience when she first realized the complex was on fire. Well, I woke up to go get me a cold pop. And then I thought somebody was barbecuing. I said, oh, Lord Jesus, it's a fire. Then I ran out. I didn't grab no shoes or nothing, Jesus. I ran for my life. And then the smoke got me. I got bronchitis. Ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. I don't know. She's my hero. Maybe she has gold teeth. I mean, there's a connection. I don't know. Of course, she's not my hero. I've been waiting for a long time to do something ghetto in a service, and (laughs) this was my moment. I seized the opportunity. Of course, she's not my hero, but... She did do something heroic. Her and her son, she woke up in the middle of the night looking for a cold pop. And <laughs> she realized there was a fire. She rushed her and her son out. Their lives were saved. I mean, that's, in that moment, we all can have moments of heroism, right? Where we're heroic, we respond, and we save the day. So in that way, Sweet Brown, she was a hero. Many of us have that opportunity. Many of us get that opportunity. The question is, do we seize that opportunity. Before I pray, I want to pose this question to you. When was the last time that you were heroic? When was the last time that you were heroic? Let's bow our heads. Father, I want to thank you, Lord, over the next few minutes, Lord, that 
Thank you for your word, Lord, that leads us into all understanding and in many cases encourages us to be more than we see ourselves. I pray that by your spirit, Lord, you would speak to us, Lord, that much more than the things that I say or try to teach, Lord, I, I pray that what we hear would be caught, not taught. But Lord, we would, we would sense that your spirit is calling us to something deeper, calling us to be brave and heroic. And I pray that, Lord, many of us this morning would answer that challenge. Father, we thank you. We love you. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. We are, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 2 Kings chapter 5. We're going to look at one, uh, verse 1 through 27, I think it is. And we're talking about Naaman. I want to paraphrase this uh, story for you um, and, and then just go over it with you and see what God talks to us about being a hero. I think there's three things that we can point out as I get into this. One, that heroes seek God. Heroes seek God. It's a challenge for us. Heroes seek God. Two, that heroes find God. When they seek God, they find God. And the third thing, that, that heroes, heroes um, live in God's grace. They live in God's grace. They respond heroically by living in God's grace. Those are the three things that I want to talk to you and bring some points to and hopefully the scriptures shine light on this morning. But this story in, in 2 Kings chapter 5 starts off with two main characters, a guy named Elijah and a guy named Naaman. The third character is Gehazi. And basically, uh, the Bible say that, says that, that, that Naaman was a military commander who had great favor in his country. He was probably um, like uh, the third in command, and he was, he was charged with going, in, going and expanding the kingdom of this Aramean king. And so uh, Naaman had favor with the king. He had favor, position, and power, and wealth. He had lots of wealth. But in verse 1, we'll see that Naaman had leprosy. Naaman had leprosy, and, and this leprosy, he was living with this leprosy. In, in, uh, in Israel, you couldn't live with leprosy. You were cast out. But in this, this godless nation, it was okay to live with leprosy and actually rise to prominence. Naaman had leprosy, and he had a servant that told him about a God in Israel, and Naaman was intrigued, and he went to his king and said, hey, can, can you grant me permission to go and, and then check out this, this king and see if I can get healed? And, and the king granted him that permission. And he goes to the king of Israel and with this letter. And the king of Israel reads it. And, and he, he's like, who am I? Like, God, I can't heal you. I'm not God. And he tears his robe in a sign of distress. He tears his robe in a sign of distress. And the, that, that spread through all of Israel. Like, our king is in distress. That means our nation is in distress. And so the nation is, uh, the people in the country are going crazy, like, what's happening? Are we under attack? We're being challenged by a foreign land. And a prophet in the nation, Elisha, Elisha, he says, he hears about this and says, send Naaman to me. I believe that my God will heal him. And so Naaman has no problem with that. The king says, oh, actually, there was some turmoil, turmoil between the king and the prophet." Because God would raise up prophets to speak to, to, to power. God would raise up prophets to speak to power. And so they were not in communication. But when the prophet Elisha heard this, he began to, uh, he said, bring Naaman on. And Naaman goes. And as Naaman is on his way to the prophet Elisha, 
Elisha sends his servants and tells, gives name and an instruction and says, go dip in the Jordan River seven times. Go dip seven times and you'll be healed as soon as you do that. And Naaman is upset and we'll see that. But he goes on, he's obedient, he dips in the river seven times and he comes out and the Bible says he is clean. He's, his skin is like a young man. And he says at that point, I, I believe that the God of Israel is the one true God and I'm going to serve him the rest of my life. That's the story. And so Naaman goes off uh, back to his land, ready, prepared to, to share of this God of Israel. But as he was on his way, there's a third character that enters the story, and that's Gehazi. Gehazi was a disciple of Elisha. And Gehazi looks at this situation is like, man, Bill Gates just came to our land with money, and we let him go without giving us anything. We're actually, we're actually we need some of that money. And so Gehazi comes up with a story and says, hey, there's some poor little prophets over here. And actually, we change our mind. We need a little bit of that wealth. And Gehazi, uh, Naaman, looks at Gehazi and says, sure, of course, I'm here. He gives him some of the wealth that he had brought to bless Israel. And Gehazi takes this back, thinking, okay, I'm rich now. I'm going to keep this for myself. And Elisha discerns what happened and says, Gehazi, as soon as you leave me, you'll be leprous and the generations after you will be leprous. What a what tragic, tragic story of Gehazi. And that leads this story. That's a, pretty much the whole story, verses 1 through 27. And I want to touch on a few points about heroism. And Elisha is one hero that many of you guys name. Uh, uh, these heroes like Batman or whomever, um, Ronald Reagan, all the people that you guys name, Superman, Elisha's like that. He's, he's that character. He's like bigger than life. He's doing miracles. He actually was a disciple of this other prophet, Elijah. That's important for us to know. He saw what Elijah, what he done in Israel and how he spoke to power and how he healed people. And Elisha was there when Elijah went, ascended to heaven and a double portion of God's anointing rests on Elisha. He was God's new man. That is an awesome hero. He's an awesome hero. You know, but the truth is, I don't so much connect with Elisha. I mean, it's too perfect. My life hasn't been that perfect. It hasn't been that easy. I hadn't had mentors that mentored me uh, most of my life, that groomed me for ministry. Actually, I have a story like Naaman. I connect with Naaman, and Naaman was a hero. Naaman was a hero. Naaman responded in obedience to God. And we're going we're gonna to look at that. He responded in obedience. I, I connect with that. I'm, I'm from this godless family. I, I have that background. And I've had this aha moment where God just invaded and it was crazy and it seemed far-fetched and how me. And, but God done something amazing. I connect with Naaman. I connect with Naaman. The truth is, I connect with Naaman uh, because of these three points, because I realized that heroes seek God. Naaman, he, he, he sought after God. Naaman had issues. I, I connect with Naaman more so because I, I know what it is to, to finally to, to live in, in marginalized communities and brokenness and, and God clean me up and, 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 and be on kind of this upwardly mobile path. Like, I got a career and I got a family and God has blessed me. I connect in that way with Naaman, but I also connect with suffering. Naaman, I know what it is to be a leader and to still have some junk. 
to still have some unhealed wounds, some things in my life that that God has been so patient with me with. I, I connect with Naaman in that way. How can you be? Naaman was a commander. He was wealthy. He had favor, but yet he had leprosy. That's what verse one says. Yet he had leprosy. I don't know if that connects with you. I don't know if that connects with you, but that connects with me. To, to, to lead, to, to run a business, to, to, to have a great family and to be on this upwardly mobile, to come from a, a family of, of good stature, of great education, to, to have means and nice things, and, but yet have lepr- leprosy, yet have issues. That connects with me deeply. And heroes like Naaman, and I'm going to show you how he's a hero. Heroes like Naaman, what do they do? Why, why do they seek God? They seek God, they seek God because they realize, they realize that, that they're not self-sufficient on their own, that, 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 that there is a lie, I think we believe in our culture, that we're, we're self-sufficient, that we got it, man, if, all right, I got a great savings, my savings is intact, my kids are in college now. Hey, we go on awesome vacations. Let me tell you about this. I've made all this happen. And you know what? I've, we went through some little scares and crises, but I've managed that. I've done well. We've held it together. Our culture shares, the, uh, they tell us about these safe plans and financial plans and all these things. And we, we start believing the lie that we are self-sufficient, that in an instant, things can't change for us. And I think Naaman knew that he was dependent. You know why I think he knew? We can look at, what is it, verse, um, verse 5 and 6. Verse 5 and 6 says this. Uh, well, verse 4 says, Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aaron replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels, and a gold of gold and 10 sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read this. With this letter, I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. See, Naaman realized that he was dependent. Who was the first person he went through, went to? He went to his master. He went to his king. He went to him. He didn't didn't have anyone else to go to. He went to another man. That idea in itself is flawed, that, that, man, we all are vulnerable. We're all dependent on something, our health. You know, when we have health scares and different things happen to us, we realize that we're vulnerable, we're fragile, we're just human. We believe the lie. I think many times, oftentimes, I see it in my own life that when things, because of the, the struggles I went through so much of my life, and now when things get good, I start buying into the lie like, yeah, everything's good. I'm actually pretty awesome. Actually, yeah, I did that. Yeah, no more school for me. I I got that degree. It's awesome. Things are great. And my kids are awesome. They speak two languages. That's awesome. And look at my hot wife, you know. (laughs) I I am that handsome. This beard doesn't bother anybody, you know. No, we believe the lie of self-sufficiency. Heroes, they don't believe the lie. Heroes seek God. Why do they seek God? Because there's a lie that exists out there. Why do heroes seek God? Heroes seek God because the world doesn't have what it needs. What did the, what did the king of Aram, what did he do? What did Naaman's king do? Naaman said, 
Okay, I'll send you over there for sure. Yeah, I'll send you to Israel. Try that king. Try that king. Yeah, they can do it. Absolutely. I'll bless that. I'll put a stamp. Actually, I'll put some fear in this letter so, so that king will get scared. Heroes seek God because the world doesn't have what it needs. At the end of the day, the, our business is booming. Great contacts, great relationships. At the end of the day, we should know this. To know God is to know there is a deep desire within us. There are, there are voids sometimes that exist that money can't fill, that great, 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 awesome friends can't fill that void. Cars can't fill it, antique car, whatever we have, there is a void that always existed. Those things will never fill. Heroes realize that, and thus they seek God. I think Naaman realized that. I think Naaman looked at what he had. Man, yeah, I'm wealthy. Yeah, I have this, but also have leprosy. And yeah, it may be a mild case, and I can function with it, and the culture actually accepts me. I can do this here. I can do this in this culture. But I still have leprosy. I'm still dependent. I'm still dependent. See, Naaman made... um, Naaman made every mistake possible in seeking to get a cure for his leprosy. First, he went to the king of Syria, who, of course, couldn't heal him. Then he went to the king of Israel. What did the king of Israel do? This is the king that has been put in place. You remember, if you know the Old Testament, you can remember that God never intended for the children of Israel to have a king. What did he want to be? He wanted to be their king, right? He never intended Saul was the first king. God didn't intend that. The the people begged for a king. Because why? The people of Israel didn't trust, didn't have enough faith to to believe that God would lead them in this journey, that, that God wanted to father them and care for them and believe with them. They lacked the faith. So they asked for a king. The king of Israel says, who am I? I'm not a god. I'm in distress. Like, I think I'm being challenged. I'm be- Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> Heroes find God. Heroes find God. They find God. When you seek God, the Bible says, you will seek, if you seek me and you seek me with all your heart, I will be found. Heroes seek after God. They, and they find God. See, we read verse 11 and 13. Verse 11 says this. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar the rivers of Damascus better than any of the rivers of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in rage. You know what was wrong with Naaman at this point in his story? He thought that that salvation could be earned. He had no idea about the grace of God. He thought he had it figured out. I'm smart. I'm self-sufficient. I got everything. I can actually buy my my healing. I can buy a blessing. I'll bring bring this, (laughs) this... this huge amount of money. I'll bring this here. I'll bless them because I got more and I can get more. I know I can be healed. If, I, if this is true, I know that I can be healed. And <laughs> Elisha says, no, 
That's not how it works. See, Naaman didn't understand the grace of God. We can't understand the grace of God until we truly step out into something. My journey has been that way. I've known in part, I've I've known in this journey, in my journey, just as an early Christian, I was like, I believe. I had those moments where I believe. And I thought I really believed until that belief was tested, until it was time to to, to really dig in to see if, if God was really real. Real heroes, they find God. Why? Because uh, they, God calls us to respond in obedience. Re- respond in obedience. Naaman, Naaman, I mean, yeah, Naaman is, is upset. He says, why? I've traveled this far with all of this money. And first of all, you, you, you send somebody out to me? You send somebody out to meet me. You don't even meet me face to face. And then you tell me to go and dip seven times in this dirty water. I could have dipped seven times in this beautiful, clean water in my country. What is this? What is this? (laughs) He's offended. He's offended. He's like Naaman was also he was just he was ignorant of God's grace. He, He didn't understand. But he was obedient. His friends challenged him. His friends challenged him. He said, my father, his friends told him this, my father, this is verse 13. My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you have not have done it? How much more then when he tells you to wash and to be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. There's these times, this is, This is really the heart of the message this morning, people. There's times where God asks you to do something that sounds crazy. Go dip seven times. Why did Naaman have to dip seven times? Because it it took seven times for Naaman to get it. It would have taken seven times for Naaman to truly get it. Because he had this pride. He had this arrogance. Why did I even come here? It took him seven times for that. You know, God asks us sometimes in his journey, God asks us to do something crazy. I had this happen in my life. See, my life, I said I've known suffering, and I've known leader what it is to be a leader and to still suffer because God asked me to do something crazy one day early on in my journey with him. I was sitting in a service just like this, and a, and a, a, a preacher was preaching on unforgiveness. And at the end of his message, he said, Who haven't you forgiven? And as clear as day, I heard God speak to my heart, not in this audible voice. Let's don't get spooky on me here this morning. But this, this, this idea, this thought that had never occurred to me, just this idea that I knew was from my heart. God said, you haven't forgiven your father. You haven't forgiven your father. I'm thinking, of course not. He's never been in my life. He abandoned me. So what do you want me to do, God, having this conversation? What do you want me to do, God? Well, the first thing I was to go up and was just to share it with the pastor, and he prayed for me. And as he prayed for me, I heard, heard God say this. He said, you need to call your father after this and call him and ask him to forgive you. What the what? What the crap? What? <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for that? Like, what? What are you talking about, God? Like, seriously? Like, he's never, not a baseball game, not a stitch of clothing, None of that. Maybe five times in 22 years, 23 years, we've seen each other. Every time, hey, son, hey, son. I'm like, man, get off of me. 
You want me to call him? I can do that, but you want me to ask him to forgive me? What have I done? And God was clear as day. I, I knew it. That's how God speaks to me. It's in my heart, and it's not my thought. It didn't come from me. I never would have thought that. And so what I do, I called him. Haven't spoke to him probably at that time, seriously, seven years, nine years, somewhere around there. Called my mom, told her what was going on. She gave me the number to his sister. Um, called his sister. My father was a homeless crack addict. I mean, um, didn't have a phone. But his sister gave me a number to where he might be. The bravest thing I ever done was picked up the phone and called my father just out of obedience to God and said, picked up the phone and said, uh, hey, Melvin, this is Lamont. What did he say? Hey, son, like we've talked forever. That was my moment to say, God, what are you doing? Like, why am I doing this? This makes no sense. Here we are, son again. He's never been there. He's so happy. I'm not even happy right now. But I said, you know what, Melvin, um, I'm a new Christian. I've given my heart to Jesus. All the drugs, all the drug dealing, all the drinking, all the party like Alicia's story, I'm done with that. God has done something in my heart. And today, I don't know why, but I, I felt God told me to give you a call, and I need to ask you to forgive me. And in that moment, I couldn't see what I was in Virginia at the time. He was in Nashville, Tennessee. I couldn't see his response on the phone, but the silence gave me a great picture. I, I know he looked at that phone and he thought, I should be asking him. I'm the man. I'm the father. I should be asking him. My obedience at that point intersected with God's faithfulness. My obedience to to allow God to tell me what to do, to speak, to surrender to what God wanted me to do, intersected with his faithfulness, and it changed my life, and it changed my father's life. My father is not the same man. We have a great relationship today. He sees my two kids, and, 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 and we hang out, and he calls me son, and I feel like his son. God redeemed that relationship. He's redeemed everything about it. That was an aha moment for me. That was an aha moment. That's when I knew that God was real, that he had a plan for me, and that this, <laughs> this unforgiveness that I held, oh, man, that's not for me. That's not for me. It didn't stop there. Even today, there's still issues that I realize that, man, I've been, man, my mom was amazing, but, man, she chose me. She chose other people over me when I was a kid, and it hadn't been a safe. It, my home was not a safe place, and I love my mom. And I've been working with that. Even to, we're talking about as I engage my story, I love Mariners because we're all about story. And so they forced me into this workshop, and we're getting into story. And now I feel like a darn orphan. But, hey, <laughs> God wants me to be an orphan. I guess I am, right? But I feel good. My mother is, it feels good about herself to come clean. You know, I learned in this, you got to come clean to get clean. Naaman dipped seven times. He dipped seven times, and God restored him so much so that he tried to give all his wealth away. He said, I now know that there's a God in heaven. There's a God in heaven that he loves me. Here's what I want to leave you guys with, a couple of points. That Real heroes, they have these character, heroic characteristics. What is it? They put God first. 
before you line up your life, before you get everything together and get all that, you know, I got my career, I got all this stuff. Real heroes, they, they put God first. God, what do you want me to do? God, how do you feel about this? Real heroes, they, they, they don't jump outside of culture. They, they don't say, oh, I can't be a part of culture. Oh, no, no. They step into culture. Naaman, Naaman had an awesome request. I can't read it. I don't have time. But Naaman said, hey, God has changed me. I'll serve him forever. But ask your God, Elisha. Ask him. Ask him. See if he will forgive me for this one thing. When I have to bow down with my king, I want to serve him well. When I bow down to serve his God with him, ask him to forgive me. Ask him to forgive me. His heart was in the right place. He didn't try, thirdly, to compartmentalize his faith. He didn't try to, me, I know what it is to compartmentalize my faith. I was shopping with some of the pastors at Irvine the other day, and we went in this mall, and we're hanging out, and, and we're buying cookies, and they didn't think I could eat five cookies in like five minutes, but see? <laughs> but anyways, the lady selling us cookies said, um, are you guys fashion? You in the fashion industry? I've never gotten that before. I got drug dealer. I've got a lot of stuff, but never gotten fashion industry. And it was this awkward moment. Three pastors, we all sit there like, nobody said, no, we serve. We're at Mariner's Church and we're awesome pastors. We were all like, hmm? And it hit me like, oh, yeah, it's hard. It's hard sometimes to share your faith, and it's, it's awkward. What are they going to think? I was, I was a fashion guy. Now I'm pastor, right? I know how hard it is, but heroically, God calls us to respond and step up in our workplace and in school and be all that he's called us to be. You know what? If we don't, we run the risk of this last, every story, heroic story, every hero, there's always an arch enemy. There's always a villain. And that arch enemy and that villain in this story is Gehazi. I didn't get you. I'm sorry I couldn't just read the scriptures for you, but I hope you'll read them. Gehazi made a bad decision. He was following Elisha. Elisha, as I told you in the beginning, he was the disciple of Elijah. And he got a double portion of Elijah's anointing. Elisha did. Now Gehazi was in line to get that same. When, when Elisha's time was up, Gehazi was the next in line. And Gehazi made a bad decision. He was watching miracles happen. He was a part. He was, God was going to use him. But when Naaman came with that money, Gehazi said, I got to have that. This is stupid. Why would we let Bill Gates come into our church and walk away with all that money, right? That's crazy. Gehazi said, hey, hey, hey. He was a great liar. He said, hey, there's some poor people over here. Um, Poor prophets. Uh, Could you? Could you give us some of that money? Because we'll, we'll use it for them. You know, the problem with that is, is that he had no intent to help. There was no prophets. He was a great liar. Sometimes we're great liars to ourselves. We lie because we're trying to self-sustain, keep all this. We're sufficient, and we got to keep everything intact. We lie to ourselves. We lie to ourselves. Gehazi took that money. As soon as he got back to Elisha, Elisha discerned what was happening and said, when you leave me, you'll be leprous. You know what? I believe that, yes, he walked away and his leprosy was visible. But I believe Gehazi had leprosy even from the very beginning. It was already in his heart. He didn't want to come clean. He didn't come clean. You got to come clean to get clean. 
the beautiful part of this story, there's a hidden character here that I think God is calling us to be, and that's the servant girl. That servant girl took a step of faith, and she said, you know what? Naaman doesn't have to live like this. There's a God in Israel that can heal him. She took a step of faith and said, Naaman, if you go to Israel, God will heal you. She could have been killed. She could have been killed. It could have been bad for her. She could have easily said, ain't nobody got time for that, right? But she didn't. I think God is calling us to that. And I want to leave you with this question. I want, to, I want you to reflect as we go into worship. I said, when was the last time you were heroic? When was the last time you were heroic? And what step of faith in this moment do you need to take? What step of faith is God calling you to? Let's worship together.